This is a podcast examining the lives and drives of creative thinkers. People who've turned their dreams into their career. Writers, directors, actors and public speakers, artists and musicians, fellow podcasters, and more. How does creativity work? And how can it pay the bills? This is Created By. Well, uh, I mean, you are by far the busiest person I know, so I do appreciate, you know, you taking the time <laughs> for one more thing on your list. I know, my friend Greg keeps introducing me as the busiest person in quarantine. <laughs> that's, that's apt. I mean, we, you've got the Zoom musical, you've got, I mean, just go down the list. Like, what are you working on? So I do a lot of audio tour voiceovers for museums around the country. So I just did a new one for the Asian American uh, History Museum in San Francisco. I'm directing, uh, currently titled Zoomsicle, the musical, soon to be titled something else. We'll see. Um, I just got a text confirmation that we do have a llama for our shoot this weekend. Excellent. If you were worried. I was. Uh, <laughs> I am show running a broadcast gala for a big huge um i should probably close my windows huh my guest this week is jessica ryan we recorded this interview pretty early in the coronavirus quarantine but she's still cooped up in her place in new york isolated or not though she's still got a schedule that makes mine look like a vacation I'm show running a big broadcast gala for a huge, amazing theater in the U.S. I'm going to muscle like directing internally inside of that a couple of the videos. And I am launching um, a virtual theater. So I'm doing all the entrepreneurial things and making a podcast as well. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Oh, God. I just got tired listening to myself. <laughs> first thing I usually ask people is just to tell me about yourself. Like, what are you doing currently? What's, uh, what's your day job? My day job is finally all this. I'm not doing anything else, but this stuff I have done for the last couple of years, uh, like just little quick calls for this Australian entrepreneur I've worked for, for a long time in one way or another. Um, but I am, I'm phasing it out. I barely, I just took enough of it to cover my rent for this um, month. Uh, and I'm just being a nervous Nelly about quitting it. You know what I mean? Cause mm -hmm. it's kind of like the all in point, like where I will never go back to working for anybody else. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I have one more like piece of business like that. If I can get it closed in the next week, then I'll just, I'll, I'll actually be all done. And I will be working for Broadway Unlocked, the company I'm the CEO and founder of and directing and acting for my living, which is, I've mostly been doing for the last, I don't know, three or four years full time, but just not quite. You know what I mean? There's always like a little something I was doing on always the side. Always holding on, yeah. For extra that. money, yeah. How long was that road to getting to work for yourself and just kind of dedicate yourself to these personal passions? 12 years. So 2008 was the year that I decided I could not work full time because I didn't have enough time or energy to put towards making art, you know, which I knew I wanted to be my full time job. So that was when I got my first part time job uh, with an incredible company here in New York that I still help out um, on occasion with technology stuff because they're awesome. And then in 2010, I got like a really swank part-time bartending job. That was like the first part-time job where I made a lot of money and didn't have to do very much. 
And then in 2012, I moved to LA part-time for the first time ever. And so that's when I really like got my first writing job. Uh, And then it was just sort of like, it was real bumpy and crazy from there. Like, I feel like you can't really take any wisdom from it because my dad died right after that. And so I had, you know, I went home and, and was renovating our family home and trying to close that estate for a year and a half. And at the same time, that writing job, like the founder was having a breakdown and I didn't know it. And so like the work was drying up, but I didn't know why. And I knew I couldn't go back to a full-time job. And so I was kind of using like the very small amount of money that I inherited from my family um, to kind of stay afloat. And that was true basically through 2015, um, when I would just have some part-time work, but it was never enough ever. Um, and then, yeah, these last basically since I think 2018, it's been sort of this really fast, I mean, two years, it's fast. I don't know. It feels fast to me. Snowball into like actually having enough directing and acting work and, and what's going on with Broadway Unlocked to be able to pay the bills and more, which is amazing. It's, it's amazing. So tell me a little bit about Broadway Unlocked. What is that? Broadway Unlocked started as an idea. A, a d- idea like a challenge a problem solving challenge which was that you know i make theater i think primarily i make theater it's the thing i'm best at and i was raising money for survivors of violence through theater because it's a really hard topic to like tackle in like a benefit you know what i mean but i thought i always thought it was like theater people can tell great stories about anything and uh in 2013 i was or going into 2013 i was like assessing the last two years of this benefit concert we've been doing and i was like man there's just some stuff that's not working quite right and the answer that i landed on was well why don't i why don't I take this benefit concert with these famous Broadway stars and YouTubers and influencers and why don't I live stream it so that younger kids have immediate access to theater instead of having to wait for two weeks, right? To like see a video. Mm-hmm. And um, these are the same people who are, are not going to mind that we're talking about surviving violence. Cause right. The internet sort of has its own culture of vulnerability and an unflinching likeness in the face of terrible topics and all of that stuff. My, my boyfriend at the time, afterwards, we were talking about it. And he's like, I think there's something here, like something with content in the internet because it's very, you know, theater is not real technology friendly. And so I just kind of kept at this central idea of like, I'll do the, what became the Give Back concert every year under the brand of Broadway Unlocked. And I'll build a brand that is associated with like really good technology driven ideas in the theater, ideas and content. Um, and because it was all bootstrapped and it was all my money, which means you've got to find market fit, right. And see what the market will bear. I just started trying a million things and that ranged from content, like, you know, live streamed panel news shows that featured artists uh, talking about the news to like dinners that brought business leaders together with theater makers for Jefferson dinners and all kinds of stuff. Did you build uh, the company first and then start kind of like working your way through these different programs and stuff? Or did you just kind of start handling the work and then eventually have to kind of organize and and make it official? Like, how did that work? Yeah, it was like totally backwards. I built a brand, not a company, right? Like, I didn't really know what the company was going to be. I had a good sense of like a lot of different ways it could go in terms of my vision and and my particular expertise at this intersection of theater and technology and digital content. But what I've never done in my whole life is work institutionally. So like 
actually the nuts and bolts of like a business I, it's nothing I've ever been through have any familiarity with mm -hmm. you know what I mean so no it was just it was such a theater approach to making a business which is just do the work just do the thing and then figure it out later some of the more challenging parts of that are for seven years you know I would I was at Thanksgiving and I hear my family talking about me outside the window late at night when I've already gone to bed and they're like she can't keep doing this she's just people just you know thinking I'm wasting my money or I like don't have any focus I get that a lot like I got that a lot people didn't think I had any focus but the thing is I'm a creative thinker and so I think about my business in that way which is I don't have to know the exact path I just have to know what foot goes in front of the other in any given moment and then assess and you know see and what it essentially did over time was allow me to just stay really stay really nimble and unlike a, a, a startup where you get thrown hundreds of millions of dollars in cash so you've got to make that one idea work I got to keep trying things until I saw the the easiest thing to like fit in our market that there was an actual need for that like I didn't I didn't have to bring everybody along and explain why they needed it, which happens a lot because I often am, find myself seeing far into the future, right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm really in the middle of a real business and C-Corp formations because I want to take investors later on this year and that you have to have payroll for one employee. And I'm like, I've never even been on payroll in my whole entire life. I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, and also like I'm a bootstrapped business that's growing maniacally. And let me tell you something, as someone who likes efficiency and organization, it's impossible when you can't hire people full time. And so it's, it's not for the faint of heart, Aaron. <laughs> But do you find that as you branch more into being a founder, CEO, businesswoman, I mean, you undoubtedly have a little less time for the actual creative output, right? I mean, there's a trade-off that happens. Well, I believe you get to make of your own business what you want of it. And so, yeah, for now, right now, I've got to do all these things. But if I'm really careful, I know what I'm best at, which is, as my friend says, he's like, you do best when you can just have all of the ideas. Um, and because I'm so good at having a ton and then like narrowing it and figuring out which ones are really gonna work. And also they often are like, sort of like industry shaking or groundbreaking. And I know that about myself. So it's my job to construct my company the way I want it to be, you know what I mean? Which is mm -hmm. to put me in that position and I don't have any compunction about, you know, putting someone else in like a COO opera, you know, role or something like that. Like, I don't know. I just think it's my business. So I get to do what I want with it. And I want to sell this in a couple of years, right? Go. Cause I figure work real hard, you know what I mean? And, and make the thing and then let it go, which is also another, such a theater thing to do, you know? Just for some context, you live uh, a bi-coastal life. You spend uh, your, well, I mean, not right now. Like Except in quarantine. In quarantine, <laughs> in quarantine you are single coast. Yes. Uh, no, but you uh, split your time between New York and Los Angeles normally. I do. Uh, and we met in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, do you find that transition to be an adjustment uh, when you go? Or are you just kind of used to it now? Uh, no, you know what? There is an adjustment, but it's a weird one. So when I, so when I first, when, when my boyfriend at the time and I, he was moving to LA cause he was transitioning from being a very successful actor to a writer. And we were both like, well, you know, we can actually do this. We, everybody talks about like, oh, when I'm bi-coastal, but we're like, did the math and we're like, we could actually do this. So let's try it. 
but I was really resistant. I was like, LA, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I think I'd been living in New York for oh, just shy of 10 years at that you time. You New Yorkers, I tell you, you've got I such know, opinions. I know, we're the worst, we're <laughs> the worst. Um, and of course I started living there part-time and I loved it, right? Like, and, and, and in the beginning I was there for a really long period of time, like right before dad died, like before I knew you. Um, and it was just such an amazing counterpoint to my life in New York and the style and the culture and everything was different. And I re- like, I enjoyed the ambidextrousness of that as well. Um, but now in the last couple of years, as it's just been me going back and forth and I do it a lot, um, I have found that it never fails to happen when I'm ready to, le- when it's time to leave whatever city I'm in of the two, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to go. <laughs> And then I get back to the other city. And then when I go back, I'm like, I don't want to (laughs) go. So yeah, it is actually a little bit of an adjustment in that way. They say that people sort of mentally adapt to the city of their residence, right? Like you kind of pick up some Mm -hmm. of the opinions and attitudes. Um, And obviously New York and LA are incredibly different places. So like I imagine that as you're you're in place to place, you sort of start kind of like towing that line between which place you're in. Does that... And I'm speculating here. I like I could be completely wrong, but I would imagine that sort of uh, uh, informs your creativity in slightly different ways. I mean, like I feel I feel like the vibe in LA is very specific about how creativity is used versus New York. I mean, have you found that to be the case? Yeah, that's a really interesting observation. And I think it has varied over time because there's been like, see, LA d- serves a different function for me from year to year, basically, right? So there was like that time in uh, what was it, 2006? 16 to 18, where I had a like really, really good voiceover agents in LA. And so I was out there a lot and I was working in voiceover a lot. And I was sort of like in that mode, but then, uh, you know, when I didn't resign with them, these lap, like for the year of 2018 to 19, LA really actually was just kind of like a, uh, a release from my crazy New York life. I would come out there to just not run around all day, hang out with a dog, you know, and be on a schedule with a dog. Like your brother said to me once, he was like, it's so funny. I know you do all this stuff in New York, but like, you're just, you're just like, I don't, I'm not Jess Ryan when I'm in LA. You know what I mean? Like no one gives a fuck what I'm doing. I don't have to talk about it all the time. Right. Like I insert myself into all your guys' lives (laughs) (laughs) and get to just be a friend. So that's kind of the role it's played for me in the last couple of years, I guess. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it'll just cycle around again as I start to pick up more, you know, projects that are based in LA. I want to do a lightning round. You up for a lightning oh, round? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. All right. Texting or talking? Texting. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. What's the last movie you watched? Oh, shit. I don't really, you know, I don't watch a ton of movies unless I'm with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what about TV shows? What's the last TV show? I was just watching RuPaul's Drag Race before I got on. Awesome. <laughs> Ooh, here's a good one for you. East Coast or West Coast? Both. You can't do both. You got to pick yes, one. Yes, I can. No, you can't. <laughs> That's not how the light... Did, did we not talk about how lightning rounds work? No, you didn't give me any rules. All right, we'll, we'll let you pass. On okay. a scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? Ooh, like a 9. What's your favorite snack? I don't snack very much, but tortilla chips, I guess, if I had to pick. Do you have a guilty pleasure song? Oh, yes. Anything by New Kids on the Block. 
Have you ever broken a bone? Nope. Bow that lies. Nope. Toes. Lots of toes. It's just you don't notice those. Is Baby Yoda cute? Yeah. Did, you, did anybody say no to that? You, you might be surprised. Oh, my God. Do you have a favorite book? Wrinkle in Time. How many spritzes of perfume is appropriate? Half of one. Can you juggle? Oh, poorly, but yes. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? Yes. Have you ever cried to get out of a ticket? I cried not to get out of it. I just cried, and then I got out of it. Would you rather ask permission or forgiveness? Oh, forgiveness, for sure. Have you ever gone to see a movie alone? Uh, I don't think so. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at dancing? 10. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Have you ever sent food back at a restaurant? Like, twice begrudgingly, because as a former server, it hurts my soul. Do you talk during movies? Every once in a while. Just really barely if I have to like when my friend dragged me to the fifth Harry Potter movie and I'd never seen any of the other ones or read oh, the books that's the wrong way to introduce you to that magical series that's what I heard <laughs> have you ever walked out of a movie at once um oh shit what, what's that Eli Roth series Hostel I walked out of Hostel is Stranger Things overrated no would you rather be hot or cold on a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at poker? Uh, 4. I enjoy it, but I'm not that great. And finally, what is the nerdiest thing about you? I've been told by men I have dated that I soundtrack things when I'm doing them, like with sound effects, like as I like throw chicken in a bowl or, you know, like clean a counter, I'll sound effect it. That is pretty nerdy. It's so nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. If I can backtrack a little bit to what we were talking about in the beginning, uh, you mentioned that uh, like 12 years ago, you decided you wanted to work for yourself. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the practical steps you took to make that a reality? Like, where do you even start? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I started on Craigslist because it was 2008. So there was Craigslist for jobs. Um, and truly I like trolled Craigslist for, I don't know how many months, I don't know anymore, but I found this posting from an Ayurvedic skincare company and spa that was so great. Cause they were like, we love what we do. And oh my God, we need someone who loves spreadsheets. And I was like, that's hilarious. Also me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and had this incredible coffee, you know, interview with the, these two women at this company. And like, it was just a dream. It was like a dream. And so, you know, I wasn't being paid very much, but I just made it work for as long as I could as my only survival job. And that I don't really remember, but I'm going to guess it was probably somewhere around six months where I realized I've really got to be making more. You know, I was really lucky that my rent was really low. We lived in a really old apartment that had been rent stabilized forever. So part of it was just luck that I could make so little. Um, and, and I'm so used to that as a theater maker. So I, you know, I can live a pretty good life and like not have a lot of money. And so I got my very first catering job. I was like, I could go cater in the evenings a couple nights a week. Like basically my baseline was I have to be able to set my own schedule and decide how many days a week I work. Right. And then I think I went away to do a show in the summer, like after that. So then when I came back, that's when I found the really swanky part-time job 
at the private club, the mixology job, same thing, Craigslist and their job listing was like so detailed about what they needed from a like head bartender, which is so rare. And I was like, I love this. Thank God they did not turn out to be that organized, <laughs> but it was a, a phenomenal job that I just advocated for myself in. And I ended up, I was like, I actually don't even want to be the head bartender, to be honest with you. I want to do the parties upstairs and I'll design all the cocktails for the special parties. And I work, I literally worked from like 4 PM till 10 PM, three nights a week. It was great. That's and I amazing. Made so much money. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think something that sort of seems, um, counterintuitive almost is that in order to work for yourself in the industry that you chose you started taking work completely outside of that mm -hmm. uh, work that a lot of people would probably turn their nose up at or be like well no that seems like a step in the wrong direction but you mm -hmm. pivoted into it as a means of sort of controlling uh, your your schedule which I think is really smart well it's because the number one problem I identified like as an obstacle to making being able to make stuff was that I was working too many hours and I was too tired and I was too involved in jobs that weren't leading towards that work. So in your Broadway Unlocked experience, or actually in any of the entrepreneurial endeavors you've taken on, that always requires assembling a team, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you assemble the perfect team? You know, I really hate stupid business books where they get real platitude-y. However, when we interview someone for the give back concert, and it's something that I do in my own work too, hiring people, we ask, it says Simon Sinek, what's your why? Is a thing that I often ask. And it's an interesting thing because like, I don't understand not having a why. Like my why is so strong and so deep. Um, but I have, I feel like learned over the years that like not a lot of people have a strong sense of their why. And that's probably not a great fit for us. That's interesting. You know, I think in the last two years, probably, I, I kind of have been forced to confront that personally, that question yeah. of like, what is your why? And like, for the long time, I was convinced I had a pretty solid answer for it. And, and like realizing it's like, oh, I think that's actually kind of pivoted without me realizing it, you know, like, that's a pretty interesting, I mean, it's, it's amazing to have a strong sense of why, you know, and I think that's crucial to being successful. But mm -hmm. um, I think I went for so long taking that why for granted that I hadn't really analyzed it in a while. I wonder, this is what I think I wonder about the why, and I wonder how it relates to your experience with that, is that if someone knows the, their real why, it's so big and deep and wide that it supports any kind of micro um, expression of it. Do you know what I mean? So like even for someone like me, and I think this is like you with a lot of stuff that you've done, you know, I was just, I knew I was an actor forever and a really good one. And like, I was always, I never wanted to be anything but an actor. You know what I mean? And I was one and I was successful, but that's not a why, right? And once I figured out what my why was, like what really motors me, that's when I stopped having all this pushback. Oh, Jess is like where you, should, you either have to produce or you have to direct or you have to act or you have to run a business. And now uh, like everything changed, I think, when I was able to know the like the skateboard underneath all of it, you know, that's that's really interesting. Kind of that clarity. Yeah. And that that the job you do is not your why. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. On some level, I, I wonder if it's a lack of ability to kind of like verbalize it or pinpoint it. I think one thing that I can relate to you with is I have a lot of different interests mm -hmm. and pursuits, you know, like I, I, mm -hmm. I'm a writer and a designer. I'm doing a podcast. I, mm -hmm. I like to draw. I like to cook. I like, you know, all these different sort of uh, avenues. 
And um, I haven't discovered one thing that lets me do all of that, you know? Mm, so, like, sort of yeah. that, that, maybe that lack of, of focus or singularity is kind of creating some difficulty in verbalizing it. I don't know. Just a, just a thought. You know what? I, actually, you just reminded me that, like, I know the moment that I figured the words out and that really started this whole change. And it was in LA that first year. And that boyfriend at the time was like, you never auditioning. You said you want to be an actor and I don't understand. And I was like, well, first of all, I, for the first time in my life, I'm like learning how to be a partner and live with someone. I thought I might take a little bit of time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, because as you know, I'm so busy all the time. Selfish. Uh, I know. Um, but I don't know how he asked me or what he asked me that prompted me to say this, but he asked me again, like re-asked me something about what I really wanted. And I took a second and I listened and I, li I listened to the universe, I guess. And I thought, and then I said, I want to be an engine of creativity. And that moment when I said that out loud was the beginning of the mm. change, because what I figured out was that like, and it's why I can't just be an actor is, is I am not willing to sit around mm. and not make my art or not storytell. I want to be an engine of creativity. And so now I can express that through writing on medium or doing voiceovers or acting in a reading for a theater show or directing or digital show running something or running a business. Right. And I never stopped. That's what was important to me is I never want to stop. Do you ever take the time to dip into acting now? Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, other than voiceover, I go seek because it's kind of the easiest thing for me. I like fit because it fits in my schedule, no matter what I'm doing. Right. So I have sure. agents and, it's, it's, it's a much easier art form. And I really enjoy it because it gives me a moment to just relax and not be in charge of something and just step into, you know what I mean? Step into the booth and bring to life someone else's vision. I actually feel I'm really appreciative of that. Um, but then there's a handful of people in New York who know that I'm a really good actor and particularly that I'm really funny. And so I'll get asked to do readings on occasion, which I love to do because those are also pretty light. You know, my hope is that I will always be able to still do that because it doesn't go away. As long as I practice my craft, which I do, I still take class, right? I still take time, time to practice my craft. Then that I will spend the next couple of years working really hard on Broadway Unlocked and then I'll sell it. And then I will have enough, you know, cachet in our industry where they can't say no to me and I'm going to get picked up to direct and act and everything else. And I'll be the right age that I always needed to be to be a theater actor because I was always too young to play the roles I was supposed to play. Um, this will be an interesting artifact of this uh, podcast in a mm. handful of years to go mm -hmm. back and listen to and yeah. see what happened. What is your why? My why is that I fundamentally believe stories change minds and stories change hearts. Stories change culture. Stories drive social evolution. Telling stories is so important to making the world a better place. And that's what leads me to be a storyteller in any way I can. That's what drives me to go and speak about it and moderate conversations. And that's what drives me to build bridges between the business community and theater artists, because I think it's so valuable. It's what drives me to create a business that, you know, is going to fundamentally change the theater industry who I just happen to believe along with filmmakers are the best storytellers in the world, right? Um, and, and make it more valuable. It's, I think that's, that is it. 
my why is that I want to leave the world a better place than it was when I showed up. And I believe that stories are the way I'm supposed to do that. I mentioned Jessica in my first episode. She's the co-host of a podcast called Take Me to Coffee, which incidentally I recommend you check out after this. And she's been a huge help to me in getting this podcast started. On top of everything in her busy schedule, she still found the time to help. I don't know about you, but a lot of the time I think I'm too busy to take on another responsibility, too busy to work on that one idea I keep putting off, or too busy to write today, or worse, too busy to pause what I'm doing and support someone else's creative needs once in a while. And sure, a lot of it comes down to time management, but more important, I think, and something Jessica embodies really well, is that understanding our why will shape everything else. She wants to be an engine of creativity, and look how that manifests. She's driving a dozen projects, empowering the creativity of a lot of people, and making an impact on things big and small. This podcast being one of those things. If you'd like to learn more about Jessica or Broadway Unlocked, you can go to broadwayunlocked.com or on Instagram at broadwayunlocked. This podcast and its theme music are produced and mixed by me, Aaron Milas. I build everything in GarageBand and Adobe Premiere. I work in After Effects daily, and I write using Writer Duet. I'm curious about you guys. What are the tools of your trade? Tell me about it. I love to talk shop. All the contact and social info is in the show description. If you want to find the website or follow me on Instagram, please do. If you haven't had a chance yet, I would appreciate your rating and review. It helps me promote the show and reach new listeners. So if you like what you're hearing, please let me know with five stars. Thanks again for tuning in. This is Created By, and I'm Aaron Milas. See you next week.